Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm with the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Dan Herrer. He's the son of the famous marijuana activist and author, Jack Herrer, of the book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. Sadly, Jack passed away in 2010. Dan balances multiple roles as an industrial hemp developer, hemp entrepreneur, and is the director of the California-based Jack Herrer Foundation. Welcome to the show. It's nice to speak with you today, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. For sure. So let's uh, jump in. I'm sure a lot of listeners are probably very familiar with you and your father as well. But for those who aren't, uh, let's head back to the past. Tell us about your background and your experience growing up, uh, things that you did, ways that you balanced your activism alongside your father with maybe having a normal life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it all seemed fairly normal to me to begin with. Um, I, I just grew up uh, with with different understandings of things, so my fear of cannabis wasn't something that was instilled in me. Um, my my fear of cannabis came from knowing that there was laws against it, and I loved it. So, um, you know, for me, it started at a very young age. My father discovered cannabis for himself at a very late age. Uh, and that was thirty years old in late nineteen sixties. And I became familiar with cannabis in the early 1970s uh, as a as a you know young boy in preteens, um, you know looking at my father's first book called Grass that um, was illustrated with furry freak brother like um, you know uh, cartoons uh, inside that I used as a coloring book. So you know as as I would color it, I would color somebody who was. Uh, expressing, you know, levels of being high or stoned or very stoned. And I would color along to, you know, make it uh, uh, a color version of the black and white, uh, you know, uh, graphics that were on the page. And, you know, that was my understanding of cannabis. There was nothing to fear because it was my coloring book. What's the fear from a coloring book? And, you know, as I, as I got older, my father uh, started to um, become more educated himself. Um, my family, myself, uh, my father, um, being an activist or becoming an activist seemed second nature. You know, there was laws that needed to be changed. changed. My father was a proponent of virtually every uh, cannabis initiative since 1972. And as I was old enough to start collecting signatures and registering voters and talking about the, the, the truth of cannabis. Um, you know, we just went on a, on a 40 year journey together. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, 
So I like to ask all of our guests what their reason is for getting involved in cannabis and being involved in the movement, which is, which is now an industry. Uh, it, it seems like a silly question to ask you considering your background, but how would you characterize why you're part of this and why you continue to do this? Well, from, from a young adult, um, you know, I wouldn't say that I was, it, it wasn't an industry at the time in the late seventies right. and the early eighties. It was, it was still uh, a movement. It was a movement of understanding and it was a movement of, of crisis because of the war on drugs, uh, because of the stance of uh, many governmental enti entities that would um, continue to spread lies and falsehoods about cannabis, which I knew to be untrue. And so being an activist uh, and trying to convince people that, you know, the government was wrong and all of these medical uh, doctors who would denounce cannabis were all wrong um, made, you know, my father and by default myself crazy for, for following this doctrine that my father was teaching us because he researched the information and brought it into our lives. So um, it, it just became a part of normal existence. And um, through that, we realized that um, changes needed to happen. So our business, uh, the way that we started in um, not commercializing cannabis, but, but making uh, the education of cannabis something of a commercial endeavor, we started educating people down at Venice Beach. Uh, for about 25 years, we set up a hemp booth down on Venice Beach teaching um, the, the local um, community as well as tourists uh, the truth about cannabis and hemp uh, through all of this information that we had in booklets, my father's book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, um, and, and all of this information from, uh, from things that you can see and touch, uh, like clothing that we wore, uh, hemp shirts, hemp pants, hemp hats, back one, uh, to the hemp seeds that we would put on our food, um, you know, from the pizza, uh, you know, by the slice uh, companies that sold their products along Venice Beach. We told, we told and talked about uh, the health benefits of embracing this plant to its full utility. And then we showed examples of that and we sold this merchandise uh, to help fund, you know, uh, new initiatives to educate folks to legalize cannabis and my father's book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, was a catalyst for um, inspiration. And that inspiration even still continues to this day. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think back to when you first started educating on, on Venice Beach there with your hemp booth, well, I mean, it's Southern California, so it's, you know, one would think it's kind of on the liberal side. Was there acceptance? Was there interest, curiosity, or still a few eyebrows being raised? Uh, well, there's always been eyebrows being raised. <laughs> and um, always will be. <laughs> and, and, and really, it, it, to some extent, it always will be. Because, you know, there's been a lifetime, not just our lifetime, but generations and generations of folks that have been um, programmed with a vernacular and an understanding through curriculums taught in high school and college and uh, on media, you know, newspapers, television, 
that have always, you know, talked about the, the, the demonization of cannabis and marijuana. And, and really, hemp was never part of the discussion because hemp doesn't sound scary, but right. marijuana does. Yeah. And, and um, you know, being able to, um, being able to, to be at Venice Beach, you know, this was a, a hippie sort of free, you know, society, you know, experience. So from the locals, there wasn't much of a pushback, but it was, you know, the police that, that monitored the beaches. But even them, after a couple of years, knowing who we were and what we were saying, they couldn't deny the information that we had. They couldn't say you're wrong. And, and in fact, most of them said, you know, I don't know why it's illegal, but it keeps us employed. Oof, oof, truth right there. Truth, really, really dirty truth bomb right there. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. Uh, so before we head to our next commercial break, uh, tell me what you're doing these days. It's the year 2020. You've got lots going on. You speak at conferences and so on sometimes. What's happening with your endeavors right now? Um, well, it's quite diverse. Uh, I do speak uh, around the globe with regards to hemp education, um, hemp history, and the possibilities of today and tomorrow, uh, you know, uh, exposing and showing these new technologies that have come out of uh, the ability to work with this plant on, on many levels uh, that have been different in the last 10 years than they were in the previous 30. And um, I also have the Jack Herrer Foundation, uh, which uh, I use as that platform to go around and, and speak uh, to, to folks on a global scale uh, from California to Kathmandu, Nepal. Wow. Uh, I, I also have a, a cannabis company named after my father uh, who inspired me uh, to, to start it. And it's, it's called uh, the Herrer Group, and we sell a product called the original Jack Herrer. And then outside of that, uh, from a hemp standpoint, I have uh, hemp products that we are developing. I, I, I have hemp clothing, hemp hats, obviously with my father's signature under our brand, uh, Herrer Hemp. And, um, you know, between all of that and now the re-release of The Emperor Wears No Clothes in a digital interactive format, uh, it's uh, a bit busy. Yeah, definitely sounds that way. And when you were naming off all the products that you're working with it, it just you know i i love hemp because there's so many applications to it that we haven't even really ex explored or gotten going yet and it's like that scene in forrest gump where he's just naming off like hemp kebabs hemp cakes hemp materials hemp clothes except shrimp all right no, all right fucking shrimp. <laughs> all right but i'm gonna take could, a commercial you could you could substitute amp right along in there you got it okay we're gonna take a commercial break and be right back to talk more with dan Harer. stay tuned ncia's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors elevate your every day with that shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of shuggies Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at shoogies.com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. 
It's time to Hemp Present. I am going to titillate your audio orifices with weekly radio rendezvous with some of the premier movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis community. Radio resident Hempo Sapien Vivian McPeak. I will be putting out a call to action on the issues of the day and putting your interests under the big lights as I provide cannabis commentary and weekly interviews that go straight for the nugular. Marijuana! Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. We've been chatting with Dan Herrer, son of famous marijuana and hemp activist Jack Herrer. So, side note, several years ago, I believe it was 2009, I was living in Portland, Oregon, and I got invited to a fundraiser for when your father was still alive. Um, It was in Portland, Oregon at the Cannabis Consumers Club. Uh, which was a rare sight to see as somebody from Washington, D.C. I had never seen anything like that before. Uh, and the culture in Oregon was just way different from the East Coast as well. So, oh yeah, yeah. I think I forgot to mention that to you in the past that um, I, I actually do remember being at a fundraiser in 2009 in honor of Jack. So for listeners that are new, to the cannabis industry and movement, let's let's talk about your father, Jack Herr, um, and the impact he made on the medical marijuana movement. Well, uh, for my father, uh, he was always um, an all or nothing kind of activist. He didn't look at cannabis as being, oh, it should be, you know, medically only available. Uh, he looked at it as that it should be just completely legal because since he wrote this book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes in 1985, that the truth was out. So there would be no reason to to continue this charade, this lie, and that mm-hmm. um, the cannabis should be legal. But as the, you know, the, the facts have it, you know, it didn't become legal the moment that he published the book and people had access to the truth. Darn it. Uh, it's, it, it, and to, even today, we still don't really have legal. We have we have access to cannabis, but it's more paid access, not really legal access. The way that I look at it in my head. But sure. he had he had a, an incredible relationship with a with a person named Dennis Perone, who wrote Proposition Two Fifteen in 1995. Uh, my father was at the same time putting out the California Cannabis uh, and Hemp Initiative in that same year. 
and it came down to which initiative was going to make the ballot. And Dennis was like, Jack, I think you're a little bit uh, over the top with trying to make all things legal all at once. I don't think that anybody's really ready for that. But people to care about people who could be helped with cannabis. And that's why the Compassionate Care Act got people to not think about this as a drug, not think about it as something that was dangerous, but something that could help those uh, who were afflicted by uh, the, the, you know, the, the devastation of uh, the AIDS epidemic or cancer or epilepsy or a, a host of other diseases that could be potentially helped from, uh, uh, you know, the different ailments that that come along with these diseases, whether it's muscular, whether it's neurological, whether it's appetite. And, and he said, Jack, get people to think about this plant with their heart rather than with their fear. And we can take a step that can change the world. And my father put down his initiative and, and joined with Dennis uh, to, uh, to help get Prop 215 passed and over the line. And then you know, voted on and passed in 1996. And, you know, since then, uh, the world has been um, forever changed from from their endeavors and their belief and, and their unyielding uh, will uh, to get this done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, your, your father's been, has been doing this work since before I was born, literally. Uh, so even myself having gotten involved in the movement in the early 2000s is, is nothing compared to all the, the work, the sweat, the tears that went in decades before um, where we're at right now. I think it's very important that we all honor that. So let's get right into that book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes. It was originally published in 1985, and now the second edition is available on Amazon for an interactive digital download. Ooh, cool. And print versions are also available. So let's talk about that original book, how it came to be a little bit more. You were mentioning about that, why it was published and what it's about. Well, um, the why it was published and how it was published is, is quite an interesting story. Um, in the early 1980s, we were doing the California Marijuana Initiative in 1980. Uh, at that same time, uh, Ronald Reagan was running for president. He became the president-elect. Um, he lived in uh, Bel Air, California, right on the other side of UCLA, right on the other side of Westwood Village, California. And we were protesting on the, on the Westwood Federal uh, Building lawn. And we had been there for about 80 days. And um, President-elect Ronald Reagan uh, came to the federal building uh, on his way to his pre-inaugural haircut and saw all these protesters on the lawn of the federal building. Uh, during, uh, during his visit at the federal building, he pulled up with the motorcade and asked the security, why are all the Canadians so upset that they would be protesting on the lawn of the federal building? <laughs> and he was informed that, that in fact, the protesters were not Canadians. They were marijuana protesters. And he had mistaken the marijuana leaf for the maple leaf. And he said, <laughs> oh, my God, you know, you know, marijuana protesters, can't we do anything about that? And uh, they said, no, we took them to court and they won. They have the right to be here. And Ronald Reagan was overheard to have said, um, well, I'll be elected uh, and sworn in as president in the next couple of weeks. Let me see what I can do. Shortly after that, my father and a few protesters 
uh, and you know they were out collecting signatures and registering voters, um, and they were arrested. And my father um, asked the officer, "Why are we being arrested? We're peacefully protesting. We're registering voters to vote. We're collecting signatures for this initiative." And uh, the the officer said, "You're in violation of the Sedition Act." Well, my father was a an ex-military MP and knew what the Sedition Act was. And he knew what he knew what it, what it meant, and he said, "Well, we are not at war." And um, in a 1980, we weren't at war with anybody as a country, so there would be no reason for the enactment of this this act. And my father said, "We're not at war with anybody." And the officer poked my father in the chest and said, "We're at war with you," and arrested my father and the other protesters. Uh, they were all subsequently given $5 fines and allowed to pay that, that, that fine and, and go about their day. Well, my father, being very principled, uh, refused to pay the $5 fine because he thought it was the most un-American thing in the world to stop somebody from registering voters and, and doing their, 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 their national right to be able to protest. Absolutely. And after, after three and a half years of, uh, of, of going to court and through all of the superior, uh, you know, uh, or superior, the superior courts on the federal level, because it was a federal offense. Um, he finally, uh, was convicted and sentenced to terminal Island in San Pedro, uh, to, to serve his time in prison. God, and an while, awful he name. Was, <laughs> while he was in prison, it was the first time in, in, in literally 14 years that he didn't have any place to go or to be able to speak or talk or, or fight for cannabis. And he, he was always a writer and wanted to keep his thoughts. So what he did was he said, Dan, you know, you know, reached out to the family, said, send me some paper, send me something to write with. I'm just going to write some stuff down. And while he was in there, he started outlining what then would become the emperor wears no clothes. So in a sense, if it wasn't for Ronald Reagan getting involved, that book may not have been written within that year or maybe even not at all. But since my father had the time to outline what would be this, this format, um, when he was released, he went feverishly into actually making it a reality. And in 1985, the book was released and it literally started the cannabis movement. The, the, and and as we know it, was, it today. <laughs> as we know it today. And it inspired so many people, not just here in the state of California, but around this country to stand up and, and find their voices and, and, and really have a sense of truth and, and honor about what and how they felt about cannabis in a way that could not be disputed. And from that time, from 1996, state after state after state after state has fallen to the truth about cannabis and because of the truth of cannabis that was uh, extolled throughout this book and is still even, I, I would say today, even more relevant uh, than it was in 1985, even more relevant than it was in 1996 because that book still inspires people today. The only problem is, is that we're so busy uh, as a cannabis community, still as a cannabis movement, uh, even on the hemp side of, of the way that people are separating hemp and cannabis today, which shouldn't happen, um, you know, we're so busy trying to fight for how to survive in this, in this, this new commercial 
um, you know, endeavor uh, commoditizing both hemp and cannabis that we're forgetting that there's still a fight uh, for truth and understanding about this plant so that the, 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 the foundation of how we're building this business, how we are creating our companies, uh, the way that we are, um, pro, you know, bringing products to the to consumers, that the foundation of this is not based on the same lies and falsehoods that created prohibition. That if we're going to move forward, that we need to be able uh, to do it with truth and understanding and documentation and science. And and we're just not getting there. We're so busy trying to fight just to make a commodity that we're forgetting about community. So true. And, and, and I hope that's not broadly true. Although, yeah, we are. We're distracted by the, you know, lack of access to banking. We're dealing in all cash. We're not able to take normal tax business deductions or be treated like any other business, even though in the age of COVID-19, we're deemed essential. Isn't that interesting? It is the most incredible statement that any state or government has made. And, you know, on, on one side, it's it's hypocritical and laughable. On the other side, we also know it to be true. Mm-hmm. You got it. All right, let's take our last commercial break, and then we'll be right back to wrap up our chat with Dan Hare. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Fetch your earbuds and stay tuned for some pure pet care conversation. Hi, it's Angela Ardolino with It's a Dog's Life, and I have Hernanda Umana joining me. We're just both so fascinated with how much we've learned since we've been in this pet industry and creating an all-natural product. Because it's a dog's life. I am a huge fan of my guest today, Dr. Bob Goldstein. I have, in my experience, not seen many natural substances produce the results that CBD is producing in the animals that we are testing on. It's a Dog's Life with Angela Ardolino, only on Cannabis Radio. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him pink, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. The cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. The The Green Green Peak Peak with Richard Zwicky. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany, and we've been talking with Dan Herrer, son of infamous marijuana activist 
Jack Herrer. And we we were talking a bit about the history of your father and what he's done for the movement over the decades, as well as the book that was originally published in 85. And now here we are in the year 2020. There's a new edition that you've made available. Uh, could you Could you talk just a little bit about um, what's different about the new version that readers are going to find and, and why you decided to dive back into this book? Well, uh, since my father's passing, <clears throat> everybody continues to ask about uh, where can I find a copy because it went out of print. And I've, I've been really wanting to get it back into just general print. But one of the other things is, is that we really needed to update it because, so, it, you know, things in cannabis and in hemp have been moving at such an extraordinary rate that there's entirely new histories and opportunities that need to be included. But I didn't want to change my father's original book at this time uh, and unless I could do it in a way that was uh, absolutely respectful of all of the time, energy, and love that he put into it. So what we've done is we've created the first ebook edition available on Amazon for digital download. And, and by using new technologies, we've now taken this history book as you're reading through um, you know, uh, the, the different things that have happened in, in our past from the development of the decorticator and the, and the, and the opportunity that that brought with potentially, um, you know, making hemp paper, you know, half the cost of using tree pulp paper or new technologies through Henry Ford uh, and, and the car that he built in 1941 and, and debuted in 1942, um, that you can go from uh, era to era throughout my father's book and through hyperlinks that are attached to every story, in some cases multiple hyperlinks, that as you're reading about history, you can click on the, the hyperlink and it takes you to a story of what's happening today and the possibilities of tomorrow. So it becomes this interactive, uh, you know, whether it's through testimonials that you see uh, through these hyperlinks, but most importantly, uh, all the video documentation that is now embedded in the book. So if wow. you don't know who my father was or what he stood for or why, you know, his name seems to be a part of the cannabis vernacular from a, a cannabis strain or being known as the emperor or the godfather of cannabis or whatever label that has been attached to him, you can you can then you know tap on the 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 hyperlink for my father and it takes you to a sixty minute documentary about his life and the things that he went through uh, and the cannabis industry went through and then if you go into nineteen forty two with the U S government uh, going into World War two and and extolling that hemp was going to be uh, the reason that we that we win and 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 uh, that we win the war. Uh, for you know, World War II against the Germans and the Japanese, that hemp for victory uh, was their slogan through the, the U.S. Department of Defense, and they made a film called Hemp for Victory. And uh, as soon as the war was over, they denied that the, that they even made this, um, <laughs> you know, this documentary. And then they didn't, you know, it was, it, was, it, was, it was like, yes, we're going to use cannabis to help win the war, but as soon as it's over, we're going to deny that it was even important. And then, Air weather friends, um, we got there, don't we? Yeah. So, so you you're reading the story, and then you hit the hyperlink within that story, and it takes you to this documentary that was made by the U.S. Department of Agriculture for the U.S. Department of Defense. It shows all of the documentation that talking about 
you know, how and why they're doing this and how important it was. And then there's, then there's this 14 minute documentary that you can see. And as you watch it, your mind is blown because it's for the first time in, in, a, in a generation or two that these were the truest words the government has ever spoken about cannabis. <laughs> and even then they still did a couple of pokes like, oh, you better be careful. But for the most most part, they go for thousands of years. Hemp was the most important plant on the planet and that we need it now today more than ever to help win the war. And if it wasn't for this, we wouldn't have our parachutes or our backpacks or the webbing for, uh, you know, uh, we wouldn't have the ropes for our ships. We wouldn't have the, you know, the shoelaces for our shoes. We wouldn't we wouldn't have the material for our backpacks or, or our waist belts. You know, all of these things came from hemp during World War II, and it was denied by this government shortly after. And it, it just shows the, the hypocrisy uh, and, and the sheer will of a government to erase history from our understanding. And this book, uh, in all of its glory and its new digital format, brings that to you both in color and in black and white, uh, in video, uh, in testimonials, and it really gives you a story that is is as complete as we can make it at this point. And the nice thing about it being digital is that we can continue to update it in real time uh, in a way. So now it is a living document forevermore. That's amazing. Thanks for all the work that you've been doing on that to, to keep us up to date and, and to keep history alive. Absolutely. Uh, we've run out of time, and, but uh, I would like to share with our audience that NCIA plans to hold our 10th annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days in Washington, D.C. to go knock on those doors of the House of Representatives and the Senate to talk to them about the cannabis industry's issues. That event has been rescheduled for mid-September. So if you are an NCIA member, we look forward to being there and making change just weeks before we head to the polls for our election. And Dan, I hope I get a chance to meet you in person in the future as hopefully we can transition back to uh, you know, business events and group events and conferences and networking events. Uh, so in the meantime, we're, we're just doubling down on content online and resources like, like this podcast. So thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, is there a website listeners can go to, to get more information? Um, well, to, uh, Google. You can always get, <laughs> you can, you can always, uh, get information at uh, the Jack Herrer Foundation.org or just go directly to Amazon um, mm-hmm. or Amazon Prime and you can punch in uh, the Emperor Wears No Clothes ebook uh, right. for Kindle and you can either order the, the digital copy for only $9.99, uh, which is instantaneously delivered to your inbox, uh, you know, either to your phone or your desktop or your laptop. Uh, or you can actually order the printed version, which takes about a week uh, to get to your uh, to get to your home for thirty four ninety five. Cool. And it, uh, you know, it's an important piece if you're in the cannabis industry, if you're in the hemp industry, and you need to understand where you stand and why you're able to stand where you are. This is the book that has, you know, raised us all up and given us all the strength uh, to stand up and fight. 
Absolutely. Very well said, Dan. Thanks again for joining us. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.